The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to a special edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Simon Clancy here. He's actually playing golf while he's doing this podcast, by the way. That's and commitment. Have, That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And we have Chris Kaufman, of course. And we are brought to you by shipyourcarnow.com. These guys can move your car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need in the world. Are you a business owner? and need to ship freight or machinery, call them now. Moving away to college or just leaving the state, don't drive your car there, ship it there. Call our friends at shipyourcarnow.com. Here is the number, 1-800-264-4644. One more time, 1-800-264-4644. Or of course, visit them at shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Don't forget to mention five reasons when you give them a call. There is no job too big or too small. Give them a call and see what Ship Your Car Now can do for you. All right. While Simon is golfing, I'm going to ask Chris this question. Christian Wilkins, we talked about him six months ago on this podcast. We were all for him then. Are we still for him now? I think, of course, you have to be for him because he's a good player. So, um, you know, once you get a pass a certain stage in the draft and I don't know. It, it, for me, it was somewhere around when Ed Oliver went off to uh, to the Bills. Um, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. I think uh, there's a lot of the talent that are available. It's nobody. There's nobody there that sticks out like a sore th- thumb. Uh, aside from one guy uh, that that we all talked about a couple of times, and Jeffrey Simmons of Mississippi State, who went off a few picks later to the Tennessee Titans. And every team, every person really gets to make their decision about whether they, they're accepting of his past and, um, and, and his you know, rehabilitation from that incident that happened in high school. Everybody gets to make that decision, and the Dolphins made the decision that they didn't want much of a part of it. I think they also probably made the decision that they didn't want a part of the injuries. A few things that kind of gave me a little bit of pause – with him was finding out that he also had a meniscus tear in the, that came along with the torn ACL, which is common. It's not uncommon, but, um, but that it, it sort of might complicate the, uh, the ACL recovery. And then the other thing, he had shoulder surgery a year ago. So this is a guy that's not necessarily new to injuries. Although I do think in the end, 2020 and beyond, uh, who's going to be the superior player? I think probably Jeffrey Simmons, but um, but I think Ter- uh, Christian Wilkins is going to be a very good player, and I can't fault them 
for going in that direction, uh, you know, with a sort of a safer idea or safer pick, um, who also could be, I mean, this is a coin flip. You, you, anytime you think you're certain and that you know exactly what these talents are going to be, that's, that's when you know you're going to be wrong. So, um, so I think that uh, this, is a good, this is a good player that Miami picked. Obviously a dynamic personality, obviously a good locker room guy. Um, so I, I don't see anything to be unhappy about. Simon? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to pause in a minute. Uh, par three, uh, 186 yards, seven iron in my hand. But um, listen, six months, uh, three months ago after the, um, after the national, during the national championship game, I tweeted that Christian Wilkins was a grown-ass man and the Dolphins should take him at pick 13. And yeah, I've long been an advocate of his. I was happy when he was on the board. He was, along with Josh Allen, my favorite player in the draft. And I thought it was just a, a terrific pick. There was rumors today of a potential trade down with the Eagles. The Eagles looking to come up for Wilkins. And I just think the Dolphins just didn't want to lose a value player. Chris Greer talked in his pre-press conference about having five players um, with the grade that, you know, with, a, with, with five defensive linemen, essentially, that, that, they, that they were after. And, uh, and Wilkins was one of those five. I, I don't think you can miss on him. Um, just a great personality. And as we've said a number of times, you turn on the tape, somebody that got better every year that he was at Clemson. You could see that on film. You know, he's not, he's not massively strong. He's not Dexter Lawrence strong, but what he is is ridiculously quick. Um, you know, a great stunter, and that's going to be key in our defense. And I, I also mentioned last night whether or not he'd be like the Trey Flowers type. Obviously, they're physically different, but in terms of the quickness, the ability to stunt, the love of football, the discipline. I mean, he is an absolute football maven. He loves the game, absolutely loves it, eats, sleeps, drinks it. And he is going to be a terrific player for a long time. Second number of, uh, second most uh, stops behind the line of scrimmage, second most stop at the line of scrimmage in college football last season. Um, and you look at the difference between Flowers, 30 pounds difference, but combine numbers, they pretty much, uh, I think Flowers is a 492, Wilkins was a 503, they did a 440 and a 434, uh, 20 uh, short shuttle, 28 reps on the bench. But you're going to see him moved around from zero to three to five technique. He's going to play inside, outside. He's also probably going to play some fullback and even short yardage running back um, and just be a great team leader. He's a terrific kid. I, I couldn't have been happier with the pick, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with both of you. Uh, we talked about it way back when, and nothing's really changed. Uh, he's he's, he's going to be a really good player for us for a very long time. He was one of three guys that in the combine cheat sheet, and it's odd that I'll mention it, but on the combine cheat sheet, uh, he was one of three guys that met, that was mentioned as being versatile enough to play from zero to five technique. The other two were Jeffrey Simmons and Ed Oliver. So – yeah, I think we got a, a versatile, long-standing player for us for at least, you know, as long as we, you know, we want to keep paying him, you know, past his rookie contract. So I'm excited about the pick. What I'm also excited about, Chris, is all these guys that are dropping into the second round. Dolphins have the 16th pick in the second round, that's 48th overall, and they have the 15th pick in the third round, that's 78th overall. Chris, what do you make of all these cornerbacks that are dropping? In fact, what do you make of all these edge players that are still available? Well, I mean, there's there's several, I mean, and it's not just it's not just either. I mean, the you forgot about the offensive linemen that are dropping too. Yeah, yeah. Jawan Taylor of Florida, who is probably the best. I thought the best tackle in the draft, uh, even though he's so a great tackle. Armando um, Sabrera said today that he didn't think the Dolphins. He was not their kind of player. Apparently, was the comment. Yeah, that yeah, that's, that's the concern. Sorry. The well, concern that is that it's not just medical. that, it's medical as well. 
Yeah, um, the, the right knee, apparently. Yeah, there's a right knee problem. There's a right knee problem and obviously some concerns about him from a personality standpoint. But we don't know if that, those apply so much in the second round as they, they would in the first yeah. round, though. Um, you never know exactly how concerned they would be about a guy's player or personality. So, um, so, you know, obviously he is there and he sticks out like a sore thumb. But the other offensive lineman that sticks out like a sore thumb here and probably the guy that I would look at targeting at the next pick if he were to still be there, which probably won't be, but it's Eric McCoy, the center out of Texas A&M. I mean, you look at how what the Jets and the Bills did by taking Quinnen Williams and Ed Oliver um, and, and obviously looking to wreak havoc on the interior of the offensive line. And you know, we joked about, or I joked about it last night after they had taken those guys that the Dolphins might respond simply by taking Jonah Williams to try and, you know, directly counter that. Um, instead, they continued on the theme with Christian Wilkins uh, as another interior defensive line player that could wreak havoc. But it, it would be very fitting if they were to get a, an Eric McCoy, a center from Texas A&M, who has an especially strong anchor and, and who is an especially good center prospect to kind of counter what the Jets and the Bills are doing there. I think that he would be, make a fantastic second-round pick. But, you know, Greedy Williams is still there. That's incredible. Um, you, you look at some of the other corners, Rocky Sin is still there. Trayvon Mullen is still there. Uh, Julian Love is a guy that uh, that a lot of people like. Um, there's there's sure, quite a bit still of there. Yeah, there's quite a bit of corner talent to look at if you want to improve the secondary, and we've talked about it many times. Uh, making this transition to the new defense does require a whole lot of talent to be added to the secondary to make sure that you got enough bullets um, to fire out on game day. Well, for me, it looks like there's, there's some of those kind of versatile Swiss Army knives. I know we talked about them. We've got one in Minka. You look at what the Patriots do. Gardner Johnson, Nazir Adderley, inside, outside can play safety, can play slot, can play corner. You know, who's going to replicate the Jonathan Jones? Who's going to replicate the, the Patrick Chung? Do we have those guys on the roster at the moment? That, that, that's fascinating to see. There's some really good – you talked about all the good corners. There's the, the Justin Lane from Michigan State as well, who's, who, who's there and in the mix. And then you look at the edge players. Look, we had Ashan Ximenez for Old Dominion in. Um, Chase Winovich, for me, is the guy that stands out. I mean, we all love Absolutely. Chase Winovich. We love him as a personality. I mean, imagine coming away with two absolute alphas like Winovich and, and, and Christian Wilkins. That, to me, is an absolute win. I mean, I can't see him still being there when you pick, which more's the pity. Yep. Oh, that's a great chip. Sit down. Um, but, um, I mean, you, you come away with Winovich and Wilkins, uh, uh, and that's, you know, that's high five to, to Chris Greer, really. Um, th there's other players. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Ben Bonogu, the... The uh, the kid from the kid from TCU, uh, LJ Collier's teammate, feels a bit salty to me in the second round. I've got to say, Charles Amenahu, another guy. I mean, there's there's a number of players. Dalton Risner is still there. Elkson Jenkins, the center. Uh, Michael Dieter, uh, the Wisconsin kid. Kind of feels like those sorts of areas. There's lots of quality players on the board. And then, you know, we've heard the rumors of Jelani Tavai. People saying he's not going to get out of the second round. Dolphins clearly like him. You know, again, with all those players that are on the board. Feels a bit much. You'd hate to take a, a Tobias over a Winovich, but um, I, I think it's going to be offensive line, pass rusher, or, or, or defensive back at, at this point. I suppose the 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 what's the word? The elephant in the room is Drew Lock. Where yes. does Drew Lock go? 
You know, I, I can't see him last. I can't see him sitting there. I can't see a team not doing it. I can't see a team not take Cincinnati, maybe. You know, other teams potentially might take him, but they're certainly having a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a number of teams around the league, I'm sure, having a conversation both about him. And then, of course, there is the Mr. Jay Rosen question. But, you know, in terms of those three positions, offensive line, edge rusher and, and defensive back, that feels like there's some quality players there that, that we can come away with. And for me, if it's winning, it's set, I mean, I'm a happy man. Yeah, and as far as Drew Locke, it seems that the Dolphins are still in on Josh Rosen. I don't know why, but they are. I think that price has to it has to be bargain basement at this point. Like I, I think it's a future pick at this point. Yeah, it yeah. has to be because uh, you know where you where are you going to trade them? Uh, the Giants are out because they just took Daniel Jones at six, and they're talking about sitting him for at least a year. So Haskins goes to to the Redskins. You have no trade partners. So, yeah. Uh, I the think it, issue with Rosen. Get, yeah. Rosen's been such a good soldier to this point, hasn't yes. he? I mean, he's not really said anything. He's not spoken out. He turned up on the first day of, uh, of lifting and all that sort of thing. He's not done an interview. He's not been on Instagram and said, you know, this is terrible. But they've handled it really badly. Yes. yes you know, they've handled have. it really badly. They came out and said, you know, Josh Rosen is our guy at the Combine. You know, uh, and then it turns out that Steve Kime wasn't even taking calls or texts or anything until about 10 minutes before they even went on the clock last night. Yeah. I mean, that, that's astonishing. And then the fact that Josh Rosen had to find out that he was being taken, that, that Murray was being taken, because his agent saw Murray on the phone on ESPN's draft coverage. I mean, that's oh, embarrassing. Geez. 19 minutes later, Cliff Kingsbury calls him to tell him what's going on. I mean, that's just so badly handled. And whatever we think of Josh Rosen, in terms mm-hmm. of his ability or otherwise, that's just really poor. And to me, Steve Kime, that's just a terrible look for him. I mean, a terrible look. I, mean, I would certainly wouldn't want to, to trade our second rounder. And, uh, again, it goes back to what we said in the pod the other night. The, ski, the, the, the specter of Tua, the specter of those guys mm-hmm. hangs over it. It would feel more comfortable if he wasn't there. But for me, I mean, just the whole situation has been just terribly badly handled. I think the reality is Steve Kime is not showing himself to be a very good GM. And Cliff Kingsbury, you know, we've talked about him as a coach. I, you know, I like him as an offensive coach, as an offensive coordinator. But let's be honest, he couldn't even win in the Big 12 with Patrick no. Mahomes as quarterback. No, um, absolutely. So, so, I mean, if you look at those two, it's not looking great for them. And yet they're going to come out smelling like roses because in the end it's all about the quarterback. And they just mm-hmm. got a hell of a quarterback in Tyler Murray. So, yeah. Um, that's the, and but they've handled this really poorly. It's not surprising that they've got no leverage whatsoever None. with, uh, None with Josh Rosen at all. And now they've just got to accept whatever whatever teams decide. I mean, it, it's it may not just be Miami. I could also imagine the Chargers being involved. I can imagine the Patriots. The, the Patriots yeah. I, yeah, the Patriots kind of monitoring the situation. But at this point, all of those teams know that the char- that the Cardinals don't have any leverage, so all yeah. of them are collectively going to to bid them down because they're not these, in a hurry. They're not in a hurry no, to get so. Josh Rosen. And all these so. guys in the all these guys, these kind of you know the, the sources that that Steve Kine uses to disseminate information. You know, every team has them to disseminate information around the media and out, out to the general public. Was saying that you know we, we can we're just going to keep Josh. It's going to be an open yeah. competition. It's, I mean, come on. It's not going to be an open competition. Yeah, well, then the didn't consult kick. Josh on that. On a kid. Exactly. I, I, you can't expect Rosen to, you know, that, that's, that's terrible. Then, then you heard that, oh, well, we're going to hold on to him until August, so there's an injury. What, so you, uh. you, you've treated the kid so badly, and then you're going to ship him off to, say, let's say Minnesota, because Kirk Cousins breaks his leg. 
and you're going to give him three weeks to learn a roster and say, good luck with it, buddy. I mean, yeah. three weeks to learn the playbook and say, good luck with it, buddy. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you know, what, like we said, whatever you think of Rosie, been horrendously badly treated. Like, to me, Steve Kine, who's done a very good job in rounds two and beyond, but you look at that, and I hadn't actually realised it was so bad. You look at that statistic of the first round players that he's picked over the past six or seven years, and this is a litany of terrible misses. DJ Williams, Robert Kemdichi, Hassan Reddick, you know, mm. uh, Dion, Dion Buchanan. I mean, there were six or seven players in a row. And you just think, I mean, st- and, and, uh, Josh, Josh you've, already, you've already admitted by taking Kyler Murray that what you did last year was bad. I mean, yes. staggering, staggering. Well, if they want, if the Dolphins want Drew Locke, I think they have to take him here because I, I think the Raiders are in play and all those other teams that, you know, have older quarterbacks got to start thinking about Drew Locke as well. So let me ask, let me ask you this, Chris. Rosen at a reduced price or Drew Locke here in the second round or neither, none of the above? <laughs> well, I'm tempted toward none of the above, but I will it's say this. It's a great this, question. Uh, this, I will say this about Drew Locke, you know, and Simon, we were actually talking about this, and I, I remember saying this specifically to you, that it sucks that Drew Locke has to be a first-round pick, because yeah, this absolutely. feels like a guy that you take a second-round flyer on yeah. and he didn't just say that. see, he didn't because he's got, he's got an amazing arm, he's got amazing he arm talent. Uh, and and you know what? For all that people that we can criticize the details of the game and the problems that he has with some of the details of the game, you know he was a highly efficient player in 2017. He was still pretty good in 20. In fact, if you look at, you know, obviously they went to a new system and there was a transition period in the new system. But if you look at, if you kind of break the season down into first half, second half. You know, between between the transition to the new the new offense, and then what he did in the latter half of the year, he was a good quarter. He was a top level efficiency quarterback. Yeah. From an analytics standpoint, he checks out. From an arm talent standpoint, he checks out. He's got the speed and the athleticism and all these things. It's it's a lot of the details and a lot of the nits that you would have with mental. Him. It's all mental. Yeah, mental stuff and and. Quite frankly, I mean that that stuff is what I would criticize on Josh Rosen at this point in his career as well. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I think that this is a this is a good player that to take in the second round and take a gamble on. And but again, so that, the, I would look at him that way. Yeah, doesn't the specter doesn't the specter though still? Yeah, I mean, because I, I, doesn't it hang over us? It does. It does. Because yeah. you know, we talked about this on on WhatsApp last night, didn't we? But. You know, if, if Tua wasn't there, Dwayne Haskins feels much more comfortable when he was on the board or we were on the clock. It's, mm-hmm. there's, just the, there's just the sense <laughs> that something different's coming down the pipe. Although Dwayne Haskins uh, well, how fat did he look? too comfortable last night. <laughs> right, and charging $50, pounds, $50 a go for his draft party. I mean, that's not a good look either. I mean, less of a good look was the fact that he looked, about, he looked like he'd eaten, you know, Eli Manning, but... <laughs> He, he got through this pro day. I swear he's been on like a donut diet since then. Like the pressure's he, he's off. A, he's a big human being. Yeah. And he looked like he'd put weight on since his pro day. Oh, absolutely. And not just I think a little he bit. He starved either. himself before the pro day to get into yeah. a good physique because yeah, he got criticized. Shape. Yeah. And, he's been and on the Dunkin' Donuts diet. Yeah. As a result, at his pro day, I mean, he was doubled over like he'd run a marathon only five minutes into the throwing session. I mean, it was it was pretty it was pretty bad. I know people like criticize me for making a big deal of something so trivial, mm-hmm. but the the path and we do have to address the Dwayne Haskins thing 
our listeners will want that. Um, but, I mean, the path that he's been on, if you look at what he did in 2017 and, and the way he was in 2017, he was slimmer, he was quicker, you know, he had more athleticism. And then he, you fast forward to 2018, he was bigger and much slower in 2018. Yeah. And then he shows up to the NFL Combine. He clearly had bad weight on the Combine and took criticism for it, and he was really slow. And so between the combine and his pro day, he looked like he starved himself in order to get into a, into a better physique for his pro day. And then as a result, at his pro day, he's like sucking wind five – it was literally – I counted it. It was five minutes into the throwing right. session. Uh, yeah, and, incredible. And, and so five minutes into the throwing session, he's already looking like he's winded. And I know that he wasn't that way during the games at Ohio State. I'm trying to – I mean, there's a path here. He gets done with a pro day, and now he shows up at the draft itself. And he, like you said earlier, he looked like he ate Joe Theismann before he put on that, that Redskins hat. I mean, it's, it's a concern. And this is something that I think the Redskins are actually going to battle with him going forward. Like, they're going to have to – you know, they're all going to have to figure this out and say, you know, is this a problem for you? And Because it is kind of a, a little bit of a problem for me. Joe yeah. Chad posed a question last night that Christian Wilkins will always be – his career arc will always be measured against Dwayne Haskins. Is that fair on Christian Wilkins? Or is that just the, – the, that's just the quarterback position? Well, it I won't said, be Wilkins. It'll be, the, it'll be the GM. It'll be Chris Greer, not Wilkins. Yeah. yeah. I said it last night on, the, on our Twitter account, on the 3 yards carry Twitter account. I said that whoever we choose to be our quarterback going forward – is always going to be compared to Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. So we better hit on that one because if not, if, if we don't, you know, as long as it's equal. If it's not yeah. equal, if it's not equal, I think Chris Greer down the line probably has to answer for it. But yeah, back to Drew Locke, absolutely. Unless something insane happens. First of all, I don't know what's going on with Jawan Taylor, but like if he's there in the second round staring us in the yeah. face. At 48, like, you know, what are you going to do? Are you just going to pass on him again? <laughs> That'd be a good pick. <laughs> That'd be an insane pick. So, yeah, you got to take him. So, unless we're blown away with maybe Greedy Williams being there, maybe Jawan Taylor being there, Chase Williams. Oh, Wood I think Eric McCoy as well. I mean, you deserve yeah, Eric to be McCoy, Eric McCoy also. Some so, big boys just got added to our division. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that Ed Oliver to, to yeah. oh, my God. That was, that was bad. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, a, that was a, a rough pick. That was a rough, a rough stretch. Yes, it was. So, yeah, unless we're absolutely, like, blown away, I guess, you know, Drew Locke, that's, that is a good flyer to take, especially yeah. in the second round. Well, all right, guys. Simon, give me your targets for 48 and 78. Okay, 48. It's got to be Chase Winovich for me. He's on the board. You know, he can play. He can move him around like Carl Van Noy. He can rush the passer. He can, uh, you know, he can drop back in coverage. Uh, he can chase back down the field. He's a 100% effort guy. Great personality kid. That would be my target there. And, and I think the best available offensive lineman, I think. Does Elton Jenkins fall? Does, does Michael Dieter there? I know they like Conor McGovern. Um, I'm thinking that that's probably the, the way that you go. Defensive back, Sean Bunting. Um, one of those guys, Trayvon Mullen. Would be nice, but I think for me, Winovich is the target. I mean, if you come away with Winovich and or Chauncey Gardner Johnson, then I'm a very, very happy man. 
You have to look at Jawan Taylor and Greedy Williams and see if they fall. Um, I think either one of them would make an excellent pick if there weren't these kind of – or at least with respect to John Taylor, if there weren't concerns around him. He could slide right into the right tackle and play – I mean, hell, Laramie Tunsil already wants him. Um, so I think that, that that would make a pretty good pick. But my sense is that they're going to be gone. I think – honestly, I think that Chase Winovich is going to be gone too. But I, I've got about six players that I'm looking at that I'm like, well, you know, maybe one of them won't be gone. And the rest of them would include a guy like Eric McCoy of Texas A&M who could help combat this, uh, this addition of beef to the, uh, to the AFC East that happened last night. Um, but also in the secondary, we talked about, you know, multi-tool players and guys that can be moved around. You mentioned Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but the other guy is, uh, is Juan Thornhill. Um, the most athletic uh, safety in the draft, who also is a ball hawk and intercepted like a, a million balls at, uh, at, his, at his school, so Aaron his defense. And he's a multi-two. He, that's what he is. He moved all around the defense and played all these different kinds of coverages and all these different um, positions. And I think that he can play deep center. He's got the speed to, to be relied on. Uh, in deep center. I think that he could play up toward the line of scrimmage. I think that he could play anywhere. My eyeballs would be on him for now, um, as well as uh, a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and, uh, and Greedy Williams, and then the offensive lineman, Jawan Taylor and, uh, and Eric McCoy. I would keep looking at those guys, and then Chase Winovich also, also among them. So uh, those six guys, you know, maybe all six are gone. But I have a feeling that one of them might still be there. If they're if they're gone, I, I you could start to look at Cody Ford. I mean, Cody Ford is still available. I like him a lot. Uh, you could also start to look to look at some of these linebacker converts. You mentioned that this pick might feel a little too high for like a Jelani Tavai, but maybe not. I mean, this is this is a guy that fits the best into the position that we know that Brian Flores needs to fill in this style of defense. And we don't have it, so um, so I would start to think about those guys, and that's that's where my focus is right now. I absolutely agree, and I'm with Simon Chase Winovich here at 48. Makes too much sense, and you look at all these cornerbacks that are dropping. It's it's almost like we can't screw this up. Like we're gonna get a <laughs> we're gonna get a good defensive back. Like it's almost impossible to miss, really, at this point. Of course, you know we have to watch them play, and if and if they're not good, they're not good. But as far as prospects. You can't. You really. You really can't miss. Like what? DeAndre Baker's the only one that went off the board. Yeah. yeah. Like, so if you want a top cornerback prospect, you're gonna get one. If we can manage to pull off something like Chase Winovich at 48 and Trayvon Mullen at 78, wow, what a draft for mm. Chris Greer if he could pull that off. Boys, I just want to mention one other name. When the Dolphins are going to put six and seven DBs on the field, you're looking for an intelligent sort of captain, field captain. A Devin McCourty type, not athletic, but Taylor Rapp, the Washington safety, his ability to make tackles in the open field, his football intelligence, and that's what um, Patrick Graham's talked about, guys with football, with plus football intelligence. Taylor Rapp, just keep an eye on him, because he'll fall a little bit because the athletic numbers weren't great. You turn on the tape and you watch him play, that could be a guy who feels that Patrick Chung kind of role of just a, a secondary leader with his intelligence, his football mindset. All right. The next time that you hear from us, we'll break down the entire Miami Dolphins draft. But that's it. There is no more. Enjoy the second and third round today. 
I, I apologize in advance for the sound, but you know, I'm recording this on my phone. Chris is somewhere moving, and Simon Clancy is living out his Tiger Woods fantasy. But that's it. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.